So here we are in a cave. Yes, the cave in which we realize our destiny. It's dark. Just like the future, you can't really see it. It is indeed a dark cave, and you guys are down here with no way to see where you're going. Get out my phone and turn on my flashlight. Oh, yeah, I guess there is such a thing as modern convenience. Sure, okay, you guys are looking around, you see the cave is basically just an ordinary cave with no special markings or anything. And it branches off in several directions. All right, so Uncle Boehner discussed this with me before the heist, and as he explained it, see, the uh, real danger of the ceremony room isn't the magic skull that breathes flames or anything, because uh, it doesn't exist. You know, that's what you'd expect, but it's not there. Is that what we'd expect? I wouldn't have come down here if I expected to get immolated by a magic skull. You wouldn't get immolated by robbing a thousand gas stations in one night. We still could have done my idea. Yeah, you would. The friction would burn you alive. The what? The friction. Because moving fast enough to rob a thousand gas stations in one night would produce, like, just terrible amounts of friction. Well, we'd use Santa magic. Well, we need the bones for Santa magic. And, and anyway, uh, Boehner told us that the danger's not- we smeared ourselves in Vaseline? To what? Avoid air friction? Yeah, that would cut down on all the friction. Well, how would you hold on your gun? You'd be all lubed up with Vaseline. I don't have a gun. I just point my fingers at people, Paul. Fair enough, Lowry. Uh, okay, anyway, the clear, obvious danger of this ceremony room is that it's a cave system. So if we just start running around without knowing where we're going, we're gonna get lost and starve to death. Kind of ingenious, really. It's just inherently dangerous. So then what do we do now? Well, I've been through a lot of heists like this, and the answer is pretty obvious when you've got the experience. But Mason, just for the sake of the Socratic method, what might you expect would be the answer? Uh... Well... Lowry got a sharpie. And we could probably use that to mark the walls and have some idea of where we've been. That's dumb, Mason. That obviously can't be the plan. Because it's only sheer luck that I have the Sharpie. Larry is right. It would be profoundly stupid if we found ourselves in this cavern and the Sharpie was all we had to rely on. But in the spirit of serendipity and inspiration, I'd like to use your idea. No sense in discouraging independent thought, you know, that's what I always say. Oh, thanks. I like to be a part of things. Uh, so is the original plan better, or...? Yeah, don't worry, I'll, I'll debrief you on the original plan after the job, and we'll talk about the pros and the cons and everything, but for now, we just need to find ourselves those magic bones that are being kept here. I like the other room better. There was all kinds of valuable stuff in there. We could have just stolen that and been gone. Well, we got this golden rod of the parrot, or whatever, and think about how much this is worth. It's literally its weight in gold. It's made of gold. It might just be gold-plated. No, it isn't. I read about it in Evil Wizards Monthly. Oh, is that real? I thought you made that up. Nah. Yeah, that's exactly my point. If that's solid gold, we're already rich. No, what is this? This is this is like a vacation to Aruba? A single trip to the hospital? Gentlemen, in our line of work, we need enough money to make regular trips to the hospital. It's an injury-prone job. We can't make scratch like that with just a single rod of pure gold. If this amount of value was set before us, imagine how much value has got to be ahead of us. Well, we could sell that rod and buy a ton of scratchers tickets. We'd win the lottery and we'd get rich. I'm trying to explain to you that a set of magic bones is a revenue stream. Not a one-time winning, you know, like the lottery, okay, Lowry? But, Paul, I thought you said we were going to sell the bones. Mason, with the bones magic, we can sell the bones, then keep them at the same time. It wouldn't be magic if we didn't violate the laws of causality like that, you know? You get me? It's complicated, but you'll figure it out. Oh, I guess I didn't think about selling the bones and keeping them, too. Uh, we'll lead on, Paul. Thank you, I am presently doing so. Elvis, I walk with all the confidence down a random cave corridor and hope that luck is with me. Mark our path with the Sharpie along the way. You guys wander through the caves for a while, and you don't get very deep in before you start to hear a voice singing. It sounds like an elderly woman. I don't suppose the bones sing, do they? Bones don't sing, Mason. 
Obviously, that's a siren trying to lure us to our deaths. It's not a siren. Actually, Elvis, are we attracted to the voice? No. It's not a siren. If it were a siren, for one thing, it would live in the ocean. They're aquatic mammals. And what are you, an expert on sirens? It sounds old. It's an old siren, so its powers just aren't as strong as they used to be. What if it is the bones? What if the bones are inside a person and the person is singing? But that, because then it wouldn't be a heist, it would be a kidnapping. But what a twist, though. We get to the end of all this and find out the magic is literally inside us all along. This is not a fairy tale. What do you think this is? I, Uncle Boehner wouldn't have called it a heist if the magic was inside somebody. Okay, he would have called it a murder or a kidnapping. The bones are not going to be in someone. I'm just saying it'd be super clever. Well, how many times is life poetic like that, huh? Never. Well, I bet the wizards make it poetic all the time. No, no. I mean, that's what you think, right? But poetry is expensive. Do you know the going rate for a professional poetry these days? I assume it's pretty cheap. No, you're thinking of run-of-the-mill poetry. You know, like uh, something from out of the college dorm rooms. I'm talking about magically potent that, poetry. That implies that there is magical poetry. No, no, is... nobody pays for magical poetry. See, and it's a supply and demand thing. Nobody demands it, so nobody makes it, and, and so there's a scarcity. And prices are through the roof. It's basic economics. There's no magical poetry. It's like claymation or handcrafted... Bagels. The cost is unsustainable compared to all the alternatives. It's, it's, it could still be an elderly siren. All right, you know what? We're just going to go check it out. We're going to go right to it, and you're going to see it. It's not a magical poetry club, and it's not a nautical predatory mammal woman. Okay? Elvis, I march without stealth or heed directly towards the singing voice. Keep marking our path with the sharpie. You follow the voice until you arrive at a sort of alcove in the caves. It's about the size of a bedroom. Inside, there's a spectral figure of an old woman who appears to be cooking something over an empty space. There's no stove or anything, but she's clearly stirring a pot and preparing ingredients. There's a bit of ratty old furniture as well, including a beaten-up dresser and a dirty mattress. There's a desiccated corpse laying on the mattress. The spectral woman looks up at you guys, smiles, and says, Oh, it's about time you visited, dears. I was worried you wouldn't make it. I'm almost done with a fresh batch of cookies. Oh, uh, pardon us, ma'am. We were actually looking for Lord Bonesmell's bones. But we just wanted to check. You've never composed poetry, have you? I don't know a Lord Bonesmell. And no, I've never been one much for poetry. It's too tricky making things rhyme. That's the devil's language there. Jesus wouldn't approve. Right, and just to double check, you've never feasted on the flesh of a sailor, have you? Heavens no, Jesus wouldn't approve of that either. Alright, that's what I thought. See, gentlemen, just a God-fearing spectral lady. Let's move along. Well, hang on. How do we know the bones aren't in that corpse? Mason, they're not going to be in that corpse. We should still check, just in case. And how exactly are you going to check? Would you have, like, a magic thermometer that checks the magic of bones? Oh, come now. Don't fight with each other. I've made enough cookies for everyone. Not now, Grandma. Please, we're having a discussion. Mason, listen to me. Do you think this is how the legendary bones of Lord Bonesmell would be presented? They're not even on a pedestal or anything. Paul, as you're standing there fighting, you can actually smell the cookies. And really, they smell kind of amazing. If you were Lord Bonesmell, wouldn't you hide the bones? You wouldn't put them somewhere obvious. The ones on the pedestal are going to be decoy bones. Decoy bones? You know how expensive decoy bones would be? I mean, you got to, like, engrave stuff in gold. It's ridiculous. Hey, Grandma, what exactly kind of cookies are you making? Oh, your favorite, of course. I know my grandson like the back of my paw. Right, of course, my favorite, uh... 
Where was I? All oh, right, right. Imagine the cost of taking bones out of a person, blessing them with magical power, and then putting them back in the corpse. It's ridiculous. Who would do that? You're ridiculous. I would do it to hide the bones. Yeah, firm comeback. Just reiterate what you've already said. Well, I'm just totally convinced now. At this point, the smell of cookies is absolutely mouthwatering. What's more, if you look in the room kind of out of one eye, you can sort of see the stove. The whole room looks kind of comfy, like a bright springtime day. We should run away. What? From homemade cookies? From the evil siren trying to lure us to our death. She's not an evil siren. I just asked her. Never feasted on a sailor in her life. Jesus wouldn't approve. She's going to kill us. You can't trust Grandma. She drinks too much. Well, evidently it runs in the family because I don't see a wicked siren. I see a kind old woman baking cookies for us. Delicious smelling ones, by the way, ma'am. My compliments to you. Thank you, dear. Won't you come on in? There to die for. Okay, see? See? I mean, if that is not a red flag. Like, really? Like, to die for? You die for these cookies? At this point, the spectral old woman appears to be flesh and blood. She looks like each of your individual grandmothers. Kind of an indistinct blend of both sides of the family, and you're no longer in a cave. You're standing outside the kitchen. Grandma, you're telling me these cookies are so good, people are actually willing to lay down their lives for them? That's right, my sweet dear grandchild. They certainly do. Well, that... Gentlemen, I don't I don't know if you can smell these things, but do you really want to say you broke into the evil Lord Bonesmell's house and passed up on the opportunity to try world-ending cookies? I walk in the kitchen. Uh, oh, but she... Uh, okay, you don't know what she puts in the cookies. Don't have more than one. I follow Paul. Uh, guys, both my grandmas died when I was a little kid, so this seems a little weird. Don't be silly, sweetheart. I didn't die. You come to visit me by my lakeside home every spring, remember? Uh, yeah, I guess I do. That's right, of course you do. Now you just sit down. These are almost ready. Thanks, Grandma. Hey, uh, you know, I know you're probably wondering, you know, once again, where's Elaine? The grandkids have got to be like six or seven years old by now, and they never come by. It's the same thing every time. You know, Elaine, she's just, you know. I do wonder that. That Elaine. I just can't argue with her. You know, we're on the rocks again. Money troubles, like usual. Sweetheart again? Well, not to worry. I can make all those troubles go away. I, yeah, I know you can, Grandma. I mean, I, I really hate to ask for money. I mean, I just can't do that to you. But uh, Elaine's catering business, it's not holding up, and I'm still waiting for partner at my law firm. You know, but can you believe it? They passed me up in favor of the boss's son. Nepotism. Well, gra my grandma doesn't have any money. Well, yours doesn't, Lowry, but mine does. All right. Rude. A little rude to brag about that in front of my grandma. What the heck are you talking about? Is this your grandma? This is my grandma. Are we related? Elvis, I start looking for grandma's checkbook. All right, you start looking around the kitchen at stuff. Eventually you rummage through some of the dresser drawers in the dresser that's there for some reason, and you find that one of the drawers is locked. Uh, so about that money, grandma, which I'm obviously not gonna ask you for, but you know, I don't suppose like, what if I did ask, would it be a huge imposition? Oh, oh, don't you worry about money. You're welcome to stay with Grandma if things get tough. Why not let it all blow over here for a few days? I'll take care of it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I might, I might take you up on that. Hey, Mason, come over here for a second. Hey, Paul. Um, you don't think there's something, like, really weird about this whole situation, do you? Yeah, I do, actually. Uh, you know, my Grandma doesn't usually evade the subject of money this much. You think she's short on cash? Is this your Grandma? 
Yeah, it's my grandma. Oh, uh, right, sorry, uh, Grandma, I forgot to introduce you to my friend. This is Mason, and that over there is Lowry. These are business friends of mine, kinda, you know. They were wrapped up in parking tickets all up to their eyeballs, and I got them off. Paul, that's my grandma. Mason, you can't just go around saying every old person is your grandma. But uh, I'm pretty sure that's my grandma. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Graham Graham. Uh, Mason's a funny kind of guy, you know. Uh, it's it's why we're friends, Mason, and the stress of the parking tickets really kind of did a number on Hey. Mason, I don't suppose you could, you know, like, lockpick that drawer, could you? You want me to break into Grandma's stuff? Listen, my Grandma, she gets a little funny in the head sometimes. You know, she locks up important stuff, like her car keys or her underwear. <laughs> Boy, that, that's a whole story, you know, I could tell you. Just, uh, hey, give it the old bzz, bzz. Okay, but, but that's, that's my Grandma. All right, fine, whatever. It's, it's your Grandma. Just open this drawer, okay? I need you to get open that drawer. Okay. Elvis, I drill open the lock on the drawer. Grandma turns around and looks genuinely upset. What are you doing there? That dresser isn't to be open. Oh, he's he's not opening it, Grandma. That's her weed drawer, Paul. We're not <laughs> supposed to get into Shut it. Shut up, Lowry. He's not opening it. We just found one of the drawers is loose, and we're fastening a hinge, okay? The drawer pops open, and inside is a beating heart. Uh... Stay away from that! This isn't weed. Nor is it a checkbook. Yeah, it's also not underwear. It's, it's Grandma's heart. You mustn't touch it. Pick it up and hold it out so Grandma can see it. This is your heart? Put it down, dear. Please, I beg of you. Grandma, is this your heart? Yes, it's Grandma's heart. Uh, put it away. I cannot live without it. Oh, man, I always knew this was going to happen. I had dreams like this. Grandma, have you seen a doctor about this? This is a heart. This, this can't be outside your body. Exactly. Yes, yes, you have to keep it safe. You have to keep Grandma safe. I understand that, Grandma, but this is, this is supposed to be inside you. It doesn't work right outside of your body. Paul, maybe you ought to put Grandma's heart back. All right, back up, Mason. I'm talking about putting it back. Graham Graham, is this another one of your holistic medicine things? Uh, please, dear, I'll do whatever you want if you put the heart back. Hey, please, your cookies are almost done. You have to see a doctor. A real doctor. Your friend Constantina is not a doctor, okay? Did she tell you that this was a good please, idea? Please, calm down, this sweetheart. Is your I, I just blood want you to pressure, put the heart away. This is your blood pressure medicine debacle all over again. Constantina doesn't know Jack. The doctor said you had to take real medicine, Grandma. Oh. You gotta put Grandma's heart back in the drawer. That's Grandma's get heart. Get away from me. This is over the line. I can't. Try and take the heart from Paul. Get, get, you get away. Get away from me. You crackpots. You're trying to kill me. Give her. me the heart, Paul. It's Grandma's uh, choice. I just want a normal Grandma. Shove Mason away and run towards the exit. No, you can't have this. We gotta see a real doctor. We gotta, get, in fact, I gotta get you to urgent care right now. Is this how Constantina said to treat your blood pressure? This is not a good way to treat blood pressure. I mean, it, please. It probably please works, but it, it can't be healthy. Give it back, it Paul. Here. Grandma needs her heart. No! Run. Ah, uh, dang it. Chase Paul. Guys, don't leave me. Grandma throws things when she gets mad. So you guys just, like, run off into the caves? Yep, as fast as I can run. Pull out my phone for light and then don't even keep track of where I'm going. Just chase Paul's light. Do my best not to lose him. You guys run, and you run, and you run, with no heed for where you are, nor where you're going. Paul, at some point you come to a space where you're gonna have to crawl through a narrow opening to keep on. Do it, crawl through the hole. Follow me now, suckers! Paul climbs through a dangerous hole. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Paul, you can't do that. You're gonna get stuck in a hole. Cave Spolunkers die like this sometimes. Gotta take risks to keep ahead, Mason! Uh, oh, oh man. Alright. Climb in the hole after Paul. The audacity, Paul, they follow you through the hole. It's a tight squeeze, but you come out in a different section of the cave. Keep going, I'm gonna lose these chumps. Don't let him stay on his heels. Paul almost slips away, but luckily you can chase the light in the darkness. Paul, eventually the memory of Grandma begins to fade. 
and you realize you're running through a dark cave holding the still-beating heart of a spectral old woman that you don't really know. Slow down to a stop and have a look at this heart that I've got. It is still beating, it's warm, and it's gross. Turn the corner and run into Paul. Ugh! Drop the heart. Splash! It falls in a puddle. Ah, uh, heck. Oops. Uh, sorry. Oh, things got crazy there. <laughs> uh, uh, my grandma's dead. Are we cool? Are we cool? I mean, I... Yeah, yeah, we're cool. I mean, everything, everything continues to go exactly, exactly as planned. She was a siren, I told you. She was not a siren! The typical layman, uh, fish around in the water for the heart. You find it, it's not beating anymore. You don't understand! Look, a siren is a sea-based amphibious mammal that also has some resemblance overlap with the bird. They sing and they draw psychic control over your brain. That is exactly what she did, Okay, Paul. but that's not the same as being a siren. A siren is... Like, okay, you know how a tiger and a lion are both big cats, but one's a solitary predator, and the other Henson packs in the Serengeti? Well, not every single singing predatory woman is a siren. That woman was just part of the same genus. She didn't have a genus. She was a lady, stupid. All right, you listen to me, you, you illiterate hack brain. A genus is the scientific classification that separates a lion from a tiger. It's the difference between a man and a chimp. And in this case, that woman was not amphibious. Ergo, she's not a siren. Well, then what do you call a singing woman that lives in a cave? Well, Lowry, when they live in a cave, they're part of the arachnid family. And you call them draglers. Draglers? Yes, draglers. I've never heard of a draggler. Well, you wouldn't have. You've never even heard of a book. I so have heard of books. They're called books on tape. You wouldn't know a genus if it slapped you in the face. If you're still calling them books on tape, it shows the last time you ever listened to one. When was it, the 90s? I'll slap your genus. I'll slap your genus straight to the hospital. That's what I'm going to do. All right. All right. Guys. Guys. Uh, okay, so we just had a brush with death with like a weird psychic grandma. And I think tensions are a little high. But we're in an unfamiliar cave system, and now we're really deep inside it, and I'm trying not to freak, but, you know, people die like this. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Calm down, Mason. No, he's right. We're going to die. We're not going to die. Okay, listen, listen. What we have now is the heart of a draggler, which, which is important, right? It's part of the plan. It's a powerful magical artifact unto itself, and so it's good that we've obtained it, see? We, we were looking for this? Yeah, of course. I, I wouldn't walk towards the song of a draggler if it wasn't for valid and well-informed reasons. Uh, now, I lick my finger and stick it in the air. You don't feel a breeze or anything. Ah, perfect. All right, I still got our bearings. We're we going to go this way. March determinedly off in a random direction. Slash, slash, tromp, tromp, tromp. You guys continue down the caves, not really sure what's ahead or behind. Luckily, before you can give in to despair and start to think you'll never make it out, there's torchlights in the distance. You see? I told you, right on schedule, exactly as Uncle Boehner planned. Why, what's up ahead? Well, just be quiet and you'll see for yourself. It's really pretty amazing, so, you know, I don't want to spoil it. It turns out it's a large set of brass doors with all kinds of jagged and complicated decorations on it. On either side, there's two open tubes. Ah, this. Okay, this. See? For one thing, look at that craftsmanship. I'd say probably Tim Orwellian, 1945. Well-regarded maker of magical doors. Best in the business in his time. You know, it would take the average of 20 men and one-half people to construct one of these babies over the span of a year. Yes, sir. What are the tubes for? Ah, the tubes, yeah. Uh, shine a light down the tube. It looks like there's some kind of complex mechanism inside. You have no idea what it is, and there's like a switch at the far end. 
Well, the answer is obvious on, uh, you know, familiarity. This, this is where we need to put the draggler heart. Watch, I'm going to activate the door. Put the heart in one of the tubes and then just kind of stuff it on down there with the gold rod that I stole. There's a violent clacking noise and then a bunch of blades sling out and catch on the rod. <laughs> I mean, aha, aha, yeah, see? Uh, you never want to activate these with your bare hands. Very dangerous if I had stuffed that down there with just my hand. Uh, yank the rod as hard as I can. It's a bit of a struggle, and you're really fighting the machine, but you pull out a scratched and torn up rod. Turns out it was just gold-plated, the rod itself was carbon steel. Hey. What? You said the rod was pure gold. Did I? I mean, yeah, uh, well, it's, uh, I don't suppose you've ever seen pure white gold. They make different types of gold? Yeah, of course they do. I mean, there's rose gold, white gold, you know, then your standard gold, which of course this has been electroplated with. In some rare cases, you might run into the exceedingly rare amber gold, which is sort of a reddish hue. You know, you don't see that very often at the jewelers, because except for when it's made synthetically, it's very rare. Your typical white gold is more vulnerable to tarnish, so sometimes you do a standard gold plating to protect it from wear and tear. Uh-huh, and uh, most people aren't aware, you know, but my mother was a jeweler, so you, you pick these things up from the trade. Well, Paul, all that aside, the door is still closed. An astute and very valid observation, Mason. But look at the situation. We got two tubes and only one heart. We placed the heart we acquired here in this left tube, but we need the next artifact of power to put in the right-hand side. Oh, so it's like a video game. Yeah, this kind of cliche is all too common in these sorts of magic get-ups. You know, wizards just can't help themselves. So there's another one then? Yeah, and I know exactly where to find it. Follow me. I head in a random direction once again. Away you go.